All right, guys, thank you all for coming in today. We're talking with uh, Mr. Michael and Miss Savannah Ray uh, with Thirsty Farmer in Calhoun, Louisiana. So thank you guys for taking the time out of your busy schedules and um, coming in to just chat with us for a little bit. Yeah, glad Absolutely. to be here. <clears throat> Happy to be here. So before we start recording, I mentioned that uh, I watched the uh, video on your website, which was very well done. I mean, very, very informative. Um but I'd like to start, uh, go a little bit back before the video really dug into it, is that <clears throat> when you guys started started making wine, it sounds to me like you had no idea that it would be what it is today. Is that a fair statement? A hundred percent. So yeah. uh, I know that you're, you've got a background in the medical field. Uh, did did yeah. you have winemaking background or... Uh, <laughs> No, uh, not at from all. From where it goes. So, it, so how did this start? Just kind of with a, just a passion for the... A passion of, uh, well, it, it truly started with uh, my wife buying me a, a homemade uh, or a homebrew kit to make beer. Uh, and that was the very first thing I ever learned how to ferment. Um, so we were, we were doing that at home and uh, it was kind of fun and made several, made some that were not so good, um, but made a few. And then we, I guess it would have started with uh, the fruit at the house. Yeah. The yeah. pear tree. Yeah. Yeah. So what were you making? <laughs> the with pear pears? tree. Yes. Um, we were making um, straight alcohol. It, we were... like. it was terrible. <laughs> it was. It was. Uh, we, um, it, we called it the mind eraser because it was it was terrible. Extremely our friend, potent. Our friends liked it, but we were like, guys, this is this is. Really so bad. was it was it friends just trying to be nice? Yeah, partly, sure. I think. Yeah. But then they came back. <laughs> they came back. <laughs> yeah, they came back. And so, then... but it start it started way before making wine. I mean, I, I think the love and our passion came way before that. We. Um, we purchased a piece of property that was fairly large in our in our minds, and it was an old uh, watermelon field. Okay. Um, and we wanted to to have a place for our kids to grow up that was in the country that they could um, ride around and play and be outside and be safe and and Just turn um, them loose. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And when we looked at this piece of property, we were like, "What in the world could we plant?" So we just um, because it was just such great. Uh, fertile soil for that. Now, but, are you guys originally from this area, born and raised? We are. We are. Okay. Um, yeah. Went to West Washington High School out to out in um, uh, West Washington area. Graduated from St. Fred's, but uh, born and raised in the Calhoun West Monroe area. Awesome. Yeah. So mm -hmm. started dabbling in the uh, uh, home brew, um, mm -hmm. alcohol making with pears and. <laughs> Making white lightning, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you started down this rough. path, and um, how did you go from, you know, a homebrew kit to, well, I think we want to try wine. Now, is wine something that you guys um, have been connoisseurs of for a time or something y'all dabbled in? Why the wine versus the beer? Yeah, so we actually went to uh, Sonoma Valley for one of my um, conferences. Okay. And Michael and I went and fell in love with the vineyards. And I said, that's what we need to come back and plant. Because, that, I mean, I just fell in love and I wanted to walk outside and I wanted to see vines. And I had 
<laughs> always loved wine, uh, but never after so much after seeing uh, the wine production side of things and seeing the vines and seeing the, I mean, just the magic that it, that it sparkled in me was, was very, very different once I visited uh, Sonoma Valley. So he came back and that's when we planted vines. So I've never been uh, to that part of the country. I've been to California, uh, Southern California. Uh-huh. Uh, Sonoma's more Northern. It is. So I hear it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And I can, you know, picture, you know, uh, the vineyards well manicured and, and can see how you would be attracted to this is what I want our land to produce. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but the land here in Calhoun, Louisiana, is probably a different soil mixture than what they have in Sonoma. So what kind of challenges yeah. did y'all find with the land? And, and did y'all know you would have challenges with the land? No, I just wanted pretty vines. Okay. Yeah, it, it all started that way. She wanted to see pretty vines. Walk yeah. out the back porch and, and see a vineyard block. And yeah, when we were in California, I, well, really, I reluctantly went. I didn't, I didn't even want to go. Um, but then she teased me with, well, we'll get away from San Francisco and we'll go north. And I was like, well, what's north? Well, Napa and Sonoma. And I was like, I'll go. Let's go see it. So yeah, Sonoma was different. Was, uh, it was, it was learning that, uh, wine wasn't, wasn't what I thought it was. It wasn't what I saw on the shelf. Uh, you got out there and you see these people, some of them had, two or three acres planted, some of them several hundred up into the thousands, just depends. But I mean, they were just row crop farmers. They were farming. Uh, it just wasn't what we were used to seeing, mm -hmm. you know, the, the corn and everything else that we see growing here in cotton. These guys are, they're row crop too, but it's grapes. Uh, and that changed my mind about what grapes were versus what wine really was uh, in the bottle, you know, versus seeing it on the shelf, trying it, liking some, back then not liking that many like a lot more of them now um but yeah just uh came back with a different attitude about it she asked for me to plant and uh i had no idea what to do i didn't know what to do we didn't mm -hmm. um got to digging around really on the, the internet looking at trellis systems looking to see how how you're supposed to grow them what do you do to grow them um what does the soil not have or what, you know, does it have too much of something? Or And, and a lot of those questions we didn't even answer. We just, mm -mm. we bought, <laughs> we bought three varietals. Uh, we bought Pinot Noir, Riesling, and uh, Chardonnay mm -hmm. uh, from a certified, uh, uh, it was a certified nursery, nursery actually, uh, in upstate New York is where the vines came from. They came to us as babies. They were dormant and they were a couple years old. Um how does a vine typically need to be before it starts producing quality fruit? Three years. Three years. Three years first production, quality fruit, I would say five years. Five, yeah, for mm -hmm. sure, to really see what it's doing. Mm -hmm. how, how much different is the fruit from year three to year five? It, it can be a lot different. I mean, you know, depending on the weather patterns and how... Um, how all that went for the year, but the sugar contents, uh, the the soil, the everything that went into it, definitely yield. the yields mm -hmm. are you know much more tons per acre when you're looking at year five than you are year three if everything went well sure. that year. <laughs> so you talked about the different varieties and and you put out some big words that I'm not going to try to put back out there again. <laughs> uh, 
I would have to assume that um, the grapes that you guys are trying to grow for uh, quality wine production are not the same grapes that we feed our kids out of the grocery store. That's correct. It's probably something completely different. It is. Yeah. So it what is. you're drinking out of the grocery store is usually like a Concord grape, okay. um, a varietal. What we're doing is a vinifera uh, varietal. What is the high level view? What is the difference between the two types of grapes? Is it sugar content that's in it? Is it um, uh, the one that we, you know, we go to the store and we eat? Is that just higher sugar content? Is it lower than what you're growing for to make wine? Well, it really stemmed from, you know, our the first grapes where they came from France and Italy and we're, we're coming over to the U.S. from, from that because we knew that that made good wine. I think that not to say you can't make wine. You can make wine out of anything, well, so, by the way, that has a starch. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, you know, some people have made wine out of Concord grapes, and they sure. and they do that upstate New York. And um, well, is I guess a better question is mm-hmm. a wine grape a good tasting grape to eat? They have seeds, uh, and they're very tannic. Um, so when I say tannic, imagine eating the inside of a pecan. Oh, yeah. So, I like mean, that dry, really dry feeling. I mean, I just had some pecans before I walked over <laughs> yes. here. So, I'm exactly what about. Yeah. So, yes. so, that feeling of, um, so a good red variety has a lot of that tannin structure so that it can hold on through the life of the grape while it's in the uh, wine production. So, okay. not a lot of, not something like a table grape where you would eat off of, um, off of the table. Those don't have a lot of tannins. Okay. So, but so, it, yeah, I mean, I was just thinking at, at maturity, they're still sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the wine grape, even if you pick it and eat one, it, yeah. they're, they're still sugar content, especially once they're ripe. Uh, they're sweet, but there's a lot of, a lot of tannins in the skins. So okay. it's, it's kind of weird to, to yeah. just pop one and in your mouth. And most have seeds. Right. Okay. And most mm-hmm. of your table grapes are seedless. Most. Mm-hmm. So you started off on the internet. Well, you saw Napa Valley, Sonoma. You're like, I get it now. I mean, fights. Great, we're going to do it. But were you thinking big like you guys are now when you you said, I'm just going to, you know, uh, grow some grapes and we might just play around a little bit with it? What was the initial plan when you, before you put the first plant in the ground? We're going to need this much equipment if we're going to grow this many grapes, or is this like, we're just going to plant it and see what happens? That is exactly. It was plant it and see what happens. Uh, The plan was to... uh, to have vines to look at and make my wife happy when she walked out the back door. And that's very, very important. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I was doing. It, it wasn't. And once we did get them in the ground, we had friends, you know, when they saw that we were going to do it, they wanted to show up and help plant. And of course, ask a lot of questions too, while we were planting. And a lot of them, we couldn't even answer yeah. back then. I was like, I, I don't know. We're just, we're going to put them in the ground. I'm going to put irrigation down and, and we're going to, we're going to make them grow. We, we know we can make something grow. So yeah. we knew we could do that. We didn't even know how to prune them. Uh, and then we we both said once it was over, it was only 250 or so vines in that block. But uh, we said, well, we've got three years. we got three years to keep making wine and figure out how to not make bad wine. Okay. <laughs> because before our, grape before our grapes were down. ready. Yeah. I said, well, we have three years. Let's try it. Let's try some wine. Try making wine. Yep. In the meantime, that way when we do get our grapes in that will... Maybe know what we're doing. 
maybe. <laughs> so you was there? Did you went in your research? Did, was there a lot of soil prep that needed to be done at that time, or that maybe came later? You're like, I wouldn't even think about that. I just need to get the yeah. mines in. I want them in the ground. I want to look nice. Yes. Yeah, the soil prep uh, was something that should have happened, uh, but it didn't necessarily uh, on that block. Uh, so I wound up having to do a lot of amendments uh, after the fact, which was really just pH correction, right. you know, lime. Um, our soil really isn't that bad. Uh, it's it's where we're at. It's pretty sandy, and grapes like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the sand lets go of the water. It doesn't sit there and hold it. Um, the grapes like water, but they don't like to sit in it. Okay. Uh, so. Little did we know, we kind of got lucky uh, because there was watermelons planted there. Same thing. They like sand um, and didn't really know how well uh, those watermelons had grown there until we planted some some years later. But regardless, the soil was, um, it wasn't that bad. Uh, we, we did, I did some lime amendments, um, did some inline fertilizer stuff through my drip irrigation. And that just came from me researching, trying to figure out how to, how to set that up and how to send those fertilizers directly to the vines. Right. Instead um, of covering all the ground. That yeah. Instead of broadcasting. Okay. Right. Awesome. Right. So we've got our, we've got our vines. We, they came in, we got them planted. Friends asking questions. You don't know how to answer everything. No. I'm just here to make the wife happy. <laughs> it's going to look pretty. We'll figure the rest out as we go. Sure. So kind of sum it up. That's so it. Yeah. 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 So what type of maintenance needs to happen? Uh, you talked about, you mentioned pruning briefly. What type of maintenance needs to happen to be able to grow a healthy vine? Mm-hmm. I'll let you start that one. Well, I'm just really uh, intrigued you know, after, after the vine's in the ground, you're spending that first good two years to three years working on your vine training. Um, you have to have a good trellising system. We okay. chose our vertical shoot positioning, which is um, uh, the vine... Um, shoots up here in the middle you have a cordon to the right and a cordon to the left okay. and then the vines grow off of those cordons upwards okay um because i like to look okay. <laughs> because that's where it started from yeah that's that right. was pretty well the first yeah. year you're working on uh, that trunk. trunk uh the next year you're working on your cordons and laying them down um, the next year you're working on the spurs that come off of the cordon so that you can correctly place um, those cordons to where um, you have good airflow for the grape to even grow. Okay. Um, and then throughout the year, you're doing trimming. You know, it just depends on what type of year it is. After bud break, you're really, uh, really, really worried about weather. Uh, you're bud worried about freezing. Very scary. Um, when does uh, when does a, a a grape vine normally produce? What time of the year? Uh, ours is in summer, okay. so dead summer, dead August summer, hot. typically. Yeah, is, is harvest. Yeah. yeah. So, do you still have to worry with you mentioned freezing, mm-hmm. um, in that that early spring? Does that have an effect on the? Uh... Very much so. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we lost uh, we lost an entire crop just this past growing season because of that. Uh, so. Yeah, early um, early April is what we've been seeing. Our varietals break, and that means they go from dormancy, it looks like dead twigs, to all of a sudden the, the buds open up and the shoots start to grow. It's fun and scary all at the sure. same time. Is there anything preventative that you guys can do if, you know, the, the buds start coming out and we, we, we have a couple of days warning that mm-hmm. we're going to have a hard freeze? Are there some preventative things that you guys can do? Yeah, you sound like our friends. Well, <laughs> okay. we're going to be reinforcing. Oh, no. 
Because but, our, you know, we're like we're all crying and stuff because we lost our crop this year, and they're like, "Well, what could you do?" And we're like, "Yeah, we could have, we could have done stuff, you know, we could have." But yeah, it's, but it's uh, pretty extreme. It's yeah. it, it's it's extreme and it's expensive, and um, you know, all that goes into our the thought cost process. Of goods and, so yeah, I mean, yeah. you can essentially you can do something as simple as burning fires to get. Um, to kind of heat the area or decrease the humidity. Yeah, it just keeps the frost from falling. Frost. So those fires, uh-huh. I've got a friend of mine that has a smudge pot. You know, smudge smudge pot. Yeah. yeah. So he's got one of those that he used for, um, you know, early crawfish season. People yeah. are gathered and yeah. um, to kind of heat the place. But my word, those things are some dangerous, dangerous piece hot. of equipment. They if are. you don't know what's going on. Very. Filled full of diesel. He's like, oh, somebody go over there and light that. And right. This guy's a fireman, and he'll just take a piece of paper, light, yes. lay it yeah. in there on fire. It's like, it's just a little dangerous. It is. Yeah, smudge. So, is. smudge pots would be a way. I, I think they use them a lot in mm-hmm. uh, Florida for the uh, citrus, citrus grows. Yep. I um, What other things other than, you know, fire could you actually do? Big production. They use windmills of some sort. Yeah, mm-hmm. big turbines. Big turbines. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it's a lot of hoping and praying because just like with a um, a row crop farmer uh, trying to grow corn, is that do I spend twenty thousand dollars in That's fuel right. to irrigate more because we don't have any rain versus I just gonna have to cross my fingers and see what happens? I don't have the extra twenty k to make it happen. That's right, right, yeah. yeah for That's us, right. we <clears throat> the only thing I've ever done out of the ordinary that that was two years ago. I got out there that morning with <laughs> sprinklers and. Um, that was the second block that we planted behind the house. I got out. We uh, we had a frost setting that morning. I was out there at three thirty a.m. I the night before I set up five different broadcast sprinklers and was out there with a water hose at three thirty in the morning, wetting everything. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it really it actually shields the buds okay. from the frost setting on them. Although it's cold, but the 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 temperature of the water coming out of the hose is still warmer. Than that frost that's going to set down. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, had to stay out there till after, after sunrise, with the water on, soaking wet. Yeah. It's cold, um, but it did save those that year. And uh, but after that, I swore I wouldn't do that again because it was pretty <laughs> miserable. Um, I imagine. Yeah, so it's yeah. pretty extreme. You know, I mean, like I said, there's things you can do, uh, but it's also you start looking at acreage. You know, now we've got that uh, another block, the one that we're talking about that we lost the crop on. It's a lot larger, you know. It's it's eighteen rows. Um, it's all on a big hill that slants away from the winery, um, and it would just—I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it'd just be costly, yeah. you know, to really try to keep it from hurting them. So we've got our first. We're up to the point. We've got our our first vines planted. We got three years to figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. How we're going to make wine? And yeah, we're going to try to uh, perfect the process. Um, how did those three years go? So we brought in anything we could to make wine. We brought in juice. We brought in grapes. We brought in fruits. We brought in all kinds of different things to try to learn just the basics of the process. And our laundry room turned into our winery room. It was our, our winery. winery. Okay. Uh, yeah. We used buckets. Uh, we used... Um, Carboys. Carboys and buckets and um, and just started fermenting, um, learning, tasting, bottling, um, just started learning the whole process. And when we started, the, the wine was not good. 
<laughs> That's my honest opinion. It okay. was. It was. Well, um, we're still talking very small batches. Very right? small. I mean, yeah. five gallon. Okay. Yeah, a couple five of cases. gallons at a time. Couple cases at a time. The reds and the whites that we made were just. Um, uh, they just. They just wasn't cutting it. Um, One dimensional. The sweeter piece. stuff, the fruitier stuff. It that was a little bit easier to make. So we got you know a little bit of um, <clears throat> understanding there, and then. We made some really that mind eraser from the pears was really bad, and I said we we got to go to school, we we got to learn, we've got to learn some more. Um, all while, um, we visited so many wineries and so many vineyards during that three years, uh, right. and we still do that to this day. Now, how how helpful is that community? It's yeah. It's it, tremendous. Yeah. That That is the education that afforded us to be where we're at today, was meeting people in the industry, learning what they've done, learning the processes in which they've taken their, you know, winery and vineyard to and where they came from and where they're at now. What, what I mean, we interviewed and I asked the same questions every time. What would you do over again? And would you do this all over again? Because I wanted to, you know, we started thinking about the process of even having our own and thought, you know, are these people happy in this industry? And um, what did you find? All of them would do it over again. <laughs> so that yeah. means a lot to me um, when I'm talking to people about their careers and their life. Sure. And, uh, you know, is it something, you know, meaningful in life? Do you feel, you know leaving legacies and things like that. That means a lot to us. So, um, it, it means a lot to me that, you know, this is a path that you're heading down. Um, too many times in society, you know, we're, we're kind of given this blueprint that says, this is what you're supposed to do and go do it. And whether you're happy or not, it's what you're supposed to do. And to truly find something that you can be happy with and be passionate about, it's, um, man, it, it's the difference for me from having uh, a life you love versus a life that you, you just don't like. Right. We're just kind of going through the motions. Right. I don't want to live life going through the motions. I want to be engaged. And uh, like I'm doing now, I'm having a great opportunity to meet people like you that I, I would never have done right. had I not took that step to go out and try something different. Right. So that community sounds like it's really helpful. Now, I know that there's big production companies that mm-hmm. are um, – uh, producing wine. They mm-hmm. have to be because when I go into any of our large convenience stores around town, there's just, there's like a hundred different options, maybe even more than that to choose from. Sure. Right. So there's got to be a big production. <clears throat> but what would you say is, um, it from the outsider looking into the community, it yeah. seems like there are a lot of small, uh, and I don't know if small is the right way to put it, but there are um, wineries that are about y'all size that do extremely well within the community. Is that is that accurate? Do you have to be one of the major players to be able to have a successful winery? No, absolutely not. I think that what sets you aside as that winery in the local community, um, and and one thing for us, we we follow that. We are the we are the vineyard manager. It's us too. We are the vineyard manager. We're the winemakers. We are the tasting room managers. We're your wine club manager. 
Um, we are all of that. And and when you go to these big facilities, um, that's a whole other thing to learn in itself. I mean, the production side of that, but you're not getting that um, local feel and that one-on-one with um, with the owner or winemaker or, or whatever piece of that. We'll teach you anything you want to know about it. Um, but when you're going into these big wineries, um, they make wine on such a huge level. That person that's growing that grape is not that person that's... Absolutely not. That's uh, producing the product. That's right. Which no. is... Then a different person that's probably selling the product or talking about or discussing it with someone else. That's right. So you, you guys bring an experience to the product that you guys offer. Would that that's be fair? Absolutely. That's what we want and I to think, do. And I think people want to learn about that. They, you know, people that may not have had wine before and were able to just, you know, talk to them about the wine a little bit and talk to them about the process and and really get a wine in front of them that they can enjoy um, versus running them through a, a a big tour facility. But not to say we would not grow. I'm just saying that um, it's just something different about doing all aspects of it, of Sounds the like whole the, process. the experience that the customer consumer gets is important to you guys. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that's... That's eventually led to our, you know, us wanting the tasting room open was because we wanted people to experience what we had experienced before at these in, local wineries. Before we get into the, the tasting room, I want to go back. You started down a path talking about education. Mm -hmm. So bring me up to speed on that. So we're still within our three-year period. Yeah. We've got our first set of vines that they're out there, uh, that they're planting. You're pruning, you're training them to grow the way that you want them to grow and you're still learning along the way but at some point you reached a uh, uh, a revelation that we've got to learn more mm -hmm. so tell me about that you want to talk about the analogy program you want me to go yeah <laughs> uh i think you gave me that for a father's day gift or christmas. was it christmas uh -huh. christmas, christmas. So, Congratulations, yeah. I'm sending you to school. <laughs> it's it's kind of how it went down, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, that would have been uh, December of 18. Um, she surprised me with a basically a box with a certificate and some paperwork, and I didn't know what that meant and started reading, and I said, this is this is college. Who's What are we doing? What, who's doing what? She said, I've already signed you up. You're going to Enology College in Texas. I was like, Let's say that word again. Enology. That's uh, the scientific term for winemaking. Okay. So you've got viticulture, which is the grape growing side, and Enology is the wine. Okay. Uh, not that I had everything down on the viticulture side, but we were already growing. Uh, I wanted to know more. We were messing up wine. I wasn't really messing up grapes, yeah. per se. We'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, she surprised me with it, and uh, I didn't even realize how quickly it was going to start. But uh, in January, that, you know, uh, less than a month of uh, 19, right? Yeah, January of 19, I went. Uh, and it was a, it's a program that Grayson University puts on. Um, it's just outside of uh, Denison, Texas. And uh, 
I had no idea I was going there blind. I didn't know what to expect, what to do. Uh, I just knew that they taught people uh, from a chemistry standpoint truly how to make wine. Uh, and, and chemistry was something that I kind of shrugged off probably after high school. Didn't think I would ever touch that again. Yeah. I'm a chemist now. <laughs> That's just how it's happened. But yeah, so uh, I go to Enology College. I went, for uh, like I said, in January, um, very first time. It was a weekend deal. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, left my my wife at home with the the kids and uh, took off. And the very first day, it was kind of an introduction day, and and but it was so neat because I sat down in a classroom that was pretty good size, thirty plus folks, uh, and they all want they all wanted to know how to make wine, or they were already making wine, and kind of like me, better. yeah. Kind of like me, needing to understand what, I don't even, what did I do to mess it up? I didn't how, know. How long was this course for? Uh, we went for, and I'll get to the we part, uh, we went. Six months. Six months, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of traveling. I mean, it's, you know, it was five, six hours for me to get there every every weekend. And it was a lot of time gone. But the very first weekend I went, I came home so excited, like, giddy excited like a kid I couldn't explain to her all the information that I had and I'm flipping through my notebook trying to show her notes and and I was talking so fast and then I I got to the fun part and I said hey by the way I I convinced the professor to let you come to class because he had already told me that he he said she couldn't come the class was full they weren't going to accept anymore you know and I said look I, I it's crawfish season in Louisiana <laughs> I got to tell them. Oh, you got to tell. Yeah. It's crawfish season in Louisiana. And I was like, y'all, y'all don't know how to cook crawfish up here. Let me, I'll bring crawfish back. I'll bring my pots. I'll bring everything. If you let my wife come to this classes. And he said, you got a deal. Bribed them with crawfish. I did. I bribed them with crawfish. (laughs) And the very next weekend I showed up with crawfish and my wife. That's the mark of a true small business owner. I said, we're going to get creative to get something done. And uh, if it's going to be crawfish, it, we do what it takes, That's right? right? And it That's was. Right. Yeah, so uh, we cooked crawfish that weekend and fed the whole class. And uh, Savannah got to come along, and, and we both got to to really dive into the analogy side uh, with, with class there. So it was. How, how long did it take you to realize some of the mistakes that you were making early on that you may have had a good process, but. Mm-hmm. I just need to make these tweaks uh, with them. How long did it take you before you realize that that's it? About, that, that's about six hours into the very wow. first day. Like there was so much stuff that we had not been even doing or documenting or under- considering. Yeah. Or you didn't even know that you had to, you know, check or measure these, these certain things. I mean, it seems elementary now, but I look back right. and we didn't even have a, a hydrometer and I was like, they they start talking about hydrometers and 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 I'm like what 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 is what is that? I mean it's just sugar and yeast and let it go. It's gonna ferment. You're well, gonna make, make alcohol. Sure right mixes in there. <laughs> so yeah, I was yeah. like I said, completely blind. Uh, I, I mean, I, I was just I had no I didn't have the correct knowledge of what the wine making part meant. Yeah. I, we just knew how to make uh. We knew how to make alcohol, really, is what it started with. And then, yeah, within hours, really, really dialed in that mm-hmm. we were we were pretty clueless we were. on the winemaking side. We were. And, um, and I think the last class, or one of our next to last classes, was about uh, the business side of 
of the winery and what you know about how much how much it costs to yeah to did that scare you no i had never really put um the business side uh, so you're not even looking no. at business. You're just, no, we want to see the grapes that are coming in three years. We want to see what we can do with them. We're not even looking to recoup our investment at this point. No, but, then I remember, I remember writing in that notebook. I remember thinking, you mean you can make money at this? I mean, yeah, I remember was... looking at Michael thinking, are you kidding me? People actually <laughs> buy this stuff if it takes. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a it was a bit of an aha it was a moment. Light bulb. Yeah, in class. And um, and it was just anyway, it was just a um, it was a light bulb for me. And and what the class also did was the people that we met within that class are still our friends today. We still call them with our challenges we still help each other with um you know when we do have successes we have to share with them when we do have challenges you know we help each other out and that's what that community really that class really helped do for us too so when you guys finished the class so about six months mm -hmm. yeah um you guys come home what did what changes did you did you guys make in the uh wine making process mm -hmm. and then looking at it for a business or you may have heard that you can make money at this, but did you, when the class finished, did you realize that we need to start thinking about this also? Yeah. I think that, um, right about that time though, our grapes died. Yeah. Okay. So, so our first vineyard. Okay. So we're died. And, and you haven't really started production on them yet, right. so that's right. You did, we didn't complete the full three years. That's right. To get ready, and the vineyard dies. Yes. yes. What happened? Yes. We had fruit hanging, year three. Yeah. So it was that. So yeah. So we went to class. That's right. Class mm -hmm. started in January. By the time harvest happened that year, mm -hmm. we had fruit on those vines. They looked beautiful, uh, and as soon as verasion started to happen, that's when the the red grapes go from green to red, okay. literal color. Um, as soon as that started happening, uh, we had taken a handful of pictures a couple of days prior of it happening because it was Pinot Noir, it was in Calhoun, and it was real fruit. I don't think that's probably ever happened in this part of the country to have that grape actually growing and be maturing. And two days later, uh, every fruit, every cluster that was hanging on those vines was on the ground. And I'm just off and had fallen. And that was when we freaked out. We we really did not know um, what had happened. And then we started doing research, and uh, it, was a, it was a disease that I knew about from just educating myself. And then, of course, through the process of talking to people at class, in class too, um, that uh, Pierce's disease was a real disease, and it would kill the vines slowly, but it will kill them. It's, it's, you can't prevent it. You can't fix it. Um, and sure enough, that whole block. Wait a minute. So mm -hmm. you have this beautiful vineyard that your dream is now coming to fruition mm -hmm. and you get hit with a disease that you have zero control over. Cannot do anything about it. Can't have any control over. And you now know that this is what happened and I can't have any control over it. Did you just want to curl up in a ball and just cry a little bit? Of course. I mean, I in would the beginning. have. 
it's of just course. Oh, no, I don't think I literally would have done that, but that's got to be very demoralizing yeah. at that point, knowing that I got hit with something that that I can't protect myself from. It was so, tough. So how does how does one protect themselves with something you can't protect yourself with? Well, you do more research and you look back on the thing that failed and see where it helped you. So in that last three years that we had been working the vineyard, we learned how to, we learned the whole life of the grape. We learned um, vineyard, vineyard trellising system and how to do that. We learned how to prune. We learned how to, um, <clears throat> all kinds of things that really needed to work with vineyard management. So after about a week of being sad, we started looking back at things and what it did teach us and what we could do better. So that happened in August. So I said, we're, we're, we're planting a different grape, um, a hybrid varietal that works well in this area. Um, so and, was it the type of grape to yes. this area that set you guys up for failure on this? Yes. Yeah, so it is this type of grape in any area um, is particular, is susceptible to Pierce's disease. But okay. in our area, so it comes from a what's called a grassy wing sharpshooter. Okay. Um, <clears throat> which essentially is around hot, humid, wet areas. Well, we're in Louisiana. So um, <clears throat> typically you do not see vinifera grapes grown in this type of area. Um, there is a hybrid, there are hybrid varietals now out there that have been studied and planted and grown for 20 plus years that uh, are even longer than that, mm -hmm. that do grow well in this area that are now Pierce disease resistant because okay. of this particular <clears throat> vector. So one that grew well, that we knew grew well was um, uh, Lenoir Black Spanish, which is Black Spanish, and then um, also uh, Blanc de Bois, which is a white grape. So okay. we knew those things. So we said, turn around next um, next spring and let's plant those. So, yeah. so you started off how many vines in the very beginning? It wasn't, but about um, the very first block was one fifty. Uh huh. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a lot, though. And then we, yeah, it's all by hand. So I mean, that's it's not so it's not when, just a little to deal when with. When you wipe that out, so mm -hmm. starting from scratch, the next planting, how many did you plant? We doubled down. <laughs> Three hundred. Yeah, a little over three hundred. You guys mean business. That's dedication. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really is because you're hitting a point that, I mean, the worst case scenario happened to you guys, and it's either we're going to give up and say this just didn't for us, or man, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna push through. We're gonna we're determined. We're gonna make this happen. Yeah. And how old are your kids? You have. Two kids, right? They're 14 and 9 right now. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important for them to sit back and watch adversity happen mm -hmm. and how you guys respond to it. You know, we live in a society today to where we, we struggle with um, the victimhood of bad things happen and uh, the perseverance that we we saw from uh, the Great Depression from, from that generation I mean, I think we've lost a good bit of it. Mm -hmm. um, and for you guys to be able to show your kids that, you know, we may get punched in the gut, but we don't have to lay on the ground. We can do something about it. Sure. Now, is it does it suck that we're having to go through it? Absolutely it does. But <laughs> yeah. 
But we're going to figure this thing out and yeah. be able to push through. Otherwise, what do we do for the beginning, right? That's, That's right. right. So we doubled down. We got 300 buys. Mm-hmm. That's out there. This podcast is possible because of your support of our real estate business. If you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, I'm confident we have the tools and the processes to help you reach your real estate goal. For more information or to reach out to us, check out the podcast description for our contact info. Um, you probably built your systems a little different based on knowledge that you guys have, have made doing this. Mm-hmm. Were you able, did you uh, have any additional uh, land prep now before you, you made yes, made this next did. planning? Yeah. Yeah, I went in beforehand and did some some preparation before, you know, before we set posts, before we do any irrigation. Um, I ripped the ground with a, a, a like a single tooth ripper. Uh, tried to make most of the uh, additions before anything happened. Um, irrigation, we tweaked mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, Got better on our irrigation. Yep, and then we knew we knew how to set up the end post, the line post. We set up a better cabling system for that. Uh, so your infrastructure was better. The yes. Absolutely. Was better prepared. Yes. It's like we're we're in. We got three hundred in the ground. Now comes the what three years? Now we're three again. Now we're three again. Three again. <laughs> right. Three again. Now during that three years, you're still going to produce some fruit, right? But we're not going to do anything with it because the fruit's not mature enough. It, About uh, year two, it starts producing yeah, year, a little bit, but yeah. so sporadic that it's not enough to do anything. Right? Okay. Yeah. Now we did, but you, yeah, we, <laughs> but you yeah. still got excited when you start seeing fruit. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right, so first harvest, yep. year okay. three. Mm-hmm. Describe that to me. Oh my gosh! Because we have three hundred vines. That was amazing. Our There's first... the two of y'all and two kids. Yep. And we, a lot of good friends. And friends. <laughs> we invited friends. So he mentioned that um, you have to harvest really early. So to get friends over on a Sunday at 5 o'clock in the morning was a lot. <laughs> Why do you have to harvest early? Heat. Heat. Um, it's, well, first, it's just not fun to harvest anything when sure. it's 110. But Agreed. the grapes themselves, so they're they're very, very susceptible to temperature at this point because they're ripe everything's when you say ripe for the picking that's that's where these were so you have to you have to try to get them off the vine and into the winery or for our case it was in the carport because we didn't have anywhere to go um now we've outgrown the laundry room the laundry right? room was no okay. more so oh well it was we our... yeah we were out of space in the laundry we... room and i had two <laughs> Two large tanks in the foyer. I had two, <laughs> okay. Two dedicated. Two six hundred liter stainless steel tanks sitting yeah. in our foyer. You couldn't come in the front door. How do you uh, <laughs> how do you measure the crop? Is it based on bushels? As um, how do you how do you measure the volume? Tonnage. 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 So yep. first harvest, what was your tonnage? At one? Very first harvest was one ton. Mm-hmm. One ton. One ton, yeah. So 2,000 pounds of grapes. All right, so we got 2,000 pounds of grapes that were all brought into your carport. Uh-huh. How long do you have um, to where you, uh, um, I don't know, start the production process yeah. to, to get um, from the, the, the fruit to the, is it pulp or is it juice? What what What, what is it? Kind of. Kind of both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we run it through um, this particular harvest. We ran it through uh, a crusher destemmer, which Immediately. is... Immediately. 
So like ours came from oh yeah. Vineyard so you have to you have to do it immediately. You're making you wine. You don't have to. If if not, you could put it on ice and store it for okay. later. But um, it need, we, really needs to be sooner rather than later. Sure. Well, for us, it would have to be. We wouldn't have a way to keep anything cold. Okay. They can do some cold storage stuff, like the big facilities you were talking about, and some of the things that we deal with out of California now. They can store harvested fruit um, in in very big cold storage facilities. However, we're at the house. Things are getting hot. We started at daylight, so by you by eleven, yeah, by eleven o'clock, uh, we had it. It's sitting in a tank. Now, is all the um, uh, all the fruit ripe at the same time, or is do you have uh, a couple of different harvests over a week period, based on you know the status of the fruit? So we are checking sugar levels up to two weeks up to harvest, um, and looking for consistencies within the whole vineyard, uh, and at a certain bricks level, sugar level, if you will, and we harvest all at once. Okay. So everything's harvested by 11, 11.30, everything's processed, right? So you're sitting on your raw material to start working with to make mm-hmm. wine. Now, before we get into that next process, y'all have been testing different things over probably longer than three years. You've been testing uh, the formulas of what you guys are going to do. Sure. So did you have it already set in your mind that this is what we're going to do with this product? Or did it come down to, man, I really don't know. Should we do a little bit here, do a little bit here? I mean, how, how did that decision come to be? So in 18, the um, so we had when we came home from school, from class, we started um, picturing what maybe a wine facility would look like <clears throat> in a small tasting room. Okay. And we had... Um, built out on a piece of paper a maybe a 20 by 20 building beside our house yeah and um we're like okay we can put a small building right here and start production and um well in 2018 still when we got um the piece of property came available was it 19 of the 19 came the a piece of property adjacent to Mm -hmm. our um home um became available and we were like, okay, Lord, we'll listen. I mean, so <laughs> we bought that piece of property, um, which is now houses the winery and tasting room. But it took us a long time to be to drawing out everything. I mean, a long time to oh, draw yeah. out everything, to make sure we had it. Um, but we were going to put it up beside the house until that piece of property came available. Um, all now the, the while, vineyard's still the vineyard's still on the same piece of property, right? Correct, behind the house. Okay. Correct. The, yeah, the harvest we're talking about. Right? Um, so <clears throat> all while we were trying to figure out the laws, the regulatory, right. the it, all, all the guidelines that we had to go by, and then we had this harvest. Well, we learned that anything we make during that harvest. We couldn't sell at the winery. If we had a facility. If we had a facility. So ultimately, we got to play with the wine again. (laughs) But from our first harvest, we never sold it at the winery because you have to make wine in a bonded wine premises. Which makes sense. Which we didn't have at that time. So we were still, in a sense, um, 
at that same stage that we haven't been before. But we really got to play with this wine. We made, we chose to make a um, a rosé. No, we did. Yeah. That's the, that's the one I ruined. Oh, that's the one you ruined. Yeah. The airlock came apart. That's right. Yeah. And the we foyer. were still learning. That's right. <laughs> you had to bring that up on camera. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Want to ruin? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> How much? Uh, what was uh, so the tonnage of grapes? So two thousand pounds came in. How much product did you get out of that two thousand? How many gallons did you get out of two thousand that was usable to work with? It, it wasn't quite what it should have been because we didn't. We weren't able to press it the way that it mm -hmm. really needed to be. Uh, so we didn't get but about 100 gallons. Okay. So now we um, have 100 gallons to work with. Yeah. Right. And she just spilled the beans and <clears throat> well, screwed up a good portion. Uh, right. Almost that. the whole thing. Um, okay. Yeah. So, again, learning uh, along the way, had it going. Um, <clears throat> we... So that was one of the weirdest things I think we'd ever done because I had to roll... I rolled the tank to the back door at our house and we... Did we bucket? I think we bucketed all that juice with five-gallon buckets oh, yeah. into that tank. Uh -huh. So this is, it's it unfermented there. juice at this point, and we took it from with five-gallon buckets and put it into this stainless steel tank that wouldn't come out of my back door because it was too wide. So we put it in the tank. I rolled the tank back into the foyer and started fermentation. <laughs> Um, and it did ferment. We fermented out the wine, uh, or fermented out the juice and we had wine, yeah. but it wasn't until, oh, probably a month later mm -hmm. or so down the road, um, that I had realized I messed it up uh, and I didn't know that I had done it, but it wasn't really anything that we had done. It was actually a equipment failure mm -hmm. and I didn't realize that I was oxidizing the wine the whole time. Uh, Which had, is not good. No, no. That that is wine's first enemy is oxygen. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we I had an airlock on the top of that tank, which is made to let carbon dioxide right. out, and nothing comes in, and it had fallen apart. So, how and does that was... work in your house when you're you're fermenting in your house? And we're not talking about it like a five gallon water jug. That, oh no, no. You know, back room. It smells weird for a little like, while. The kids always know the smell of fermentation. Always. <laughs> so um, if you can imagine, I go into a fair amount of homes a year, and uh, I know what fermentation smells like because uh, occasionally, once or twice a year, I'll walk into a house where they've got some muscadine wine that they're uh, yeah. fermenting sure. in a yeah. closet. Sure. Uh, yeah. And using a, uh, which looks like a, a water jug, one of them five-gallon water yeah. jugs that they're doing it in. That's yeah. right. So there is definitely a, a smell that comes along with it. Yeah. Um, some is worse than others. That's right. Uh, so you realize the mistake that you made. Did you have any additional product to work with out of that? Out Not of that out of that one. Uh, weed killer. Uh, it went on the front yard and it killed grass. <laughs> So, just so you know. <laughs> okay. They did kill the grass. Kill the grass. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, first run at it on growing. Yeah. It hit. Yeah. Oh, good. Second run, we more educated. We, we've we got the growing. We feel like we made a ton of progress. we got a product we can work with. But the making process, we learned a lesson on that. Yeah. Yeah. Learned to check my equipment. It, yeah. So at least from that standpoint, you were not, uh, you knew you couldn't sell it. 
So mm-hmm. you didn't have that that fear of uh, financial loss at that point. Right. right. Uh, but the um, being able to experiment and learn to grow in that area, you just kind of miss that opportunity. All right. So that's out the window. Mm-hmm. We're just going to just keep looking forward. Yep. So then it would be, I'm assuming the uh, vineyard produces every year. So right. we roll into the next year. So during the time of that harvest moving into the next year, what type of growth did you guys experience? What did y'all do within that year period to improve or mm-hmm. set yourself up for a business model? We um, we planted we uh, on the new on the on the new property. Okay. We cleared it off. It took a long time. Took a, to year. Clear it, took a year to clear it off, and then we planted um, five new varietals okay. um, that were released in 2020. We planted them in 2020. Um, they are newly released from UC Davis hybrid varietals, but they come from the parentage that uh, those vernifera varietals that I mentioned before, like the Cabernet Sauvignon and the Chardonnays and the all those vernifera grapes that people are used to. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes from they have ninety seven, ninety eight percent parentage of those, um, and they've been uh, under. Um, Testing for 15, 20 years or so yeah. in uh, the Florida area. So this heat climate, this typical heat climate so area. So you felt like if they're performing well in Florida, we should have a good run of it here. Yes. So they released them in 2020. We were able to get um, 600 or so Yeah. of all five varietals. So 600 total. Um. Broken up in total new. Total new. So we went from 300. We just put 600 with. So we're just under 1,000 plants. Correct. That you have out there. Correct. You guys don't play, do you? I mean, it's just like, (laughs) we're going to find the end of this. We ain't even made a dollar yet. (laughs) So we started. We um, So during that year, we started with the branding. Um. We started logo. Having... By the way, I absolutely love it. You <laughs> know, it's you. Um, it's simple, but yet it stands out, and it's got that it's got that family feel that that home feel. Love the logo. Thank, Thank you. you. That's him. That's Michael in the vineyard. He always wears this big hat, and um, and I took a vector of that and created the um, created the logo. I wanted something simple and to represent farmer and. Um, of course, he's thirsty. So, <laughs> but we started with the branding, and we started um, giving wine tastings at the house from just things that we had um, procured over the year. Um, really started honing in on our craft for our sweet wines. Okay. Um, and we started selling T-shirts because it can't sell wine. Right. So I started selling T-shirts. I started selling. Um, I mean, handbags, whatever I could to get something coming in. Um, And we would give away wine. um, But the wine tastings really helped develop on our line today our sweet wines um, because we felt a little bit more confident with our sweet wines than we did our dries at that point. So um, our peach and our crush, those are from wine tastings at the house that people, I gave them a little card. Tasting notes, you know, it's anonymous up here. And, you know, what even what do you want to name the wine? Um, and hundreds, I have a stack of hundreds. You ever get your um, feelings hurt based on some of the comments that you Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, so of people course. are like, yeah. 
bleh, you know, nasty, gross. And, um, of course, you know, then you learn there's sweet wine drinkers and there's dry wine drinkers. And, um, you learn that whole process of even talking about the wines. I mean, it, it, you know, we, we gave away, you know, we had all of our food and we had, um, just the entertainment side of things. And just, I love that. What year of production did you guys build the tasting room and the winery? What year of production? We built it in 20, we started Toward in... the slab in 20, November. Okay, so the same. So that's the same year that y'all planted the 600? Correct. That's right. And what uh-huh. year did you have the um, the failure of the, um, the oxidation? That was our 19, 19. harvest. Okay, so 19 harvest, uh-huh. you're building your uh, 600 plants and you're building the tasting room uh-huh. that next year. So... Going through that process, you're you're looking at the 2020 harvest. Um, you're looking at setting up a business plan mm-hmm. that uh, to be able to have the wineries and do everything that's required for you guys to be able to sell. Now, did y'all make that on that 20 harvest? Was the winery uh, built and everything set up to where you guys could be in production in 20? No. Still wasn't. Still wasn't. Still production. wasn't. We so, weren't in production in, for two years. Yeah, we poured the slab in 20 and opened the doors in 22. Because yeah, okay. we built, so we we had it um, erected by a local builder, but then everything else we did ourselves. Okay. So it took a long time to build it. <laughs> sure. And, and then in that meantime, we were learning what business model we needed to go by because where you're probably getting at is you're not going to have your grapes ready. You're not going right. to have enough wine. You're not going to have enough, all thoughts that were going through our head. How do we do this? And again, it was meeting other winemakers and their solutions, other uh, vineyard owners. I mean, from we traveled from California to Texas was our biggest industry and has been the biggest help for an absorbent amount of winemakers okay. uh, all in one. So we visited probably 25, 30 wineries, um, as much as we could during that two years, too, as we were building to try to figure out, you know, what are our solutions for that? Um, so we started uh, making wine, um, the wine that we wanted with a facility in California so that we would have wine ready for when we opened. Okay, so you were able to farm out your production Correct. with, with your product done the way you asked them to do it. So that when you open, you've got product that you can actually sell. Correct. But that was a long, so just think of it. You've got one wine, though. I've got one wine I could sell that's from the product from behind my house. Mm -hmm. I need a whole line. Yeah. Right? I need to, I need to have sweet. I need to have dry. I need to have, you know, what Because everybody is going to, not everybody is well-versed in, all of the different varieties, correct? Correct. Sure. You got correct. people that probably just want, I, I want to stay in my lane. I want to stay with yeah. this. And I don't want to get out of it. And there's uh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But for you, you guys to be able to open up with something to really offer and keep people coming back, mm-hmm. you had to bring others in. That's correct. That. So, but you had two years to play around with two years of harvest that you can work to perfect what you guys mm-hmm. are doing. So second year of harvest, mm-hmm. we get the product. What was the tonnage on that second year? About the same? Let's see. That would have been, uh, was that our 2020? Yeah, that would be 2020. Mm-hmm. 
It was two tons. It got it, it was doubled. A, it, it did double. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you probably got, but did you, were you able to get more product out of it? I'm trying to remember now. Mm -hmm. uh, because we still use the 600 liter tank. So yeah, I think we did. I want to say it was closer to that 150 mark. We got two tanks. We did get two tanks. <laughs> we we bought two. another tank. Yep. So yeah. So how did that production process go? It was, um, it was very similar to our first one, honestly, because we had the same equipment. We had the same things. I think that um, obviously we have a new tank now, the new air airlock tank that are making sure our equipment worked well. Um, we practiced with a rosé from that one um, because we wanted to make a rosé. Mm -hmm. uh, so How did it turn out? It was good. It was good. It was good. Yeah. We yeah, had to that, give all that away too. We did, yeah. Not a not a single dollar. Yeah. <laughs> but how yeah. but how rewarding did that feel knowing that yeah. we did it. Yeah. I mean, we've got something that we grew that we harvest with help. Yeah. That we harvest, that we produced, and it's good. Tell me about that that high five moment. Was it was there an, a high five moment? You know, when I we... don't know if there was at that point. I, my honest opinion, I think our because our brains were on this huge, bigger project that we had going on at the time, and we yeah. knew. I mean, I, I mean that's my honest opinion. I think we had this big vision and a lot of things right. to do. We we're really super proud about the wine, but we knew we had to give it away. We had to we had to really focus on next steps and what that looked like and. Uh, the vision of the company and, um, um, but it, you know, to be able to give away our own product was, was amazing. You know, I mean, but can you, could you start seeing that vision become a reality knowing that I've got a viable product right. now? Absolutely. I've Absolutely. got a viable product. Absolutely. Now, I don't want you to give any specifics and that's not my intent mm -hmm. here, but I, I want the listeners and those that are watching to kind of track a little bit of this with me. This started out. What what year did you did you put the first plants in the ground? Eight years ago. Yeah, it was. How many years did it take you for you got to that 17. second harvest? We put them in seventeen. I think it was seventeen. Mm -hmm. So then it would be, um, so that four years later. Yeah, so four years through this process mm -hmm. of education, uh, formal and informal education, mm -hmm. visiting all these places, the countless hours that it took of investing your time and investing a lot of money mm -hmm. and we still haven't made anything and i would have to assume just kind of totaling things up in my head that there is a a lot that's invested in this financially not just your time but just from a financial mm -hmm. standpoint sure but it sounds <laughs> like to me that you guys you saw the end you may not have the, the plans completely drawn out, but you saw where this was going. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yes, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. When did you feel that momentum start building that says, you know what? This is going to happen. Mm -hmm. At what point did that happen? Did it happen to a little gradual over time? Or was there one defining moment to where you guys just sat back and said, you know what? I may not have it all figured out, but dang, this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. I know when mine was. When was yours? When we were standing on the top of that hill, uh, standing on a slab. Yeah. It, it, I had to get all the way to the concrete to, to figure it out. Yeah. Once once there was concrete no, for the yeah. tasting room. 
because we had drawn, <clears throat> we had drawn so much, we had drawn so many things, and the the plans, and, the, and we hadn't even touched base on on the process of trying to become the the legal side. Sure. The not just building, but all of the red tape from a state and federal level. I, I had no idea, um, and thankfully she is very persistent <laughs> in figuring that stuff out. Um, but yeah, the, the, the aha moment for me was definitely standing on the slab and going, okay, well, we, we drew it. We've steadily been investing still, mm -hmm. you know, financially. And, and now we're standing on real concrete. Mm -hmm. There's a building going to go, it's going to be here, you know, and we had lunch on, on the slab with okay. the kids set up a table and just sat there and had lunch, you know, it was, and that was a, that was a moment for me for sure. Yeah. Talking to them about our vision and where we want, you yep. know, what it's going to look like. And how, how old were the kids at that time? Quarter. Let's see. Uh, Thompson was a little over. Ten and five, I think. I was going to say he was close to six. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all he wanted to do was ride his bicycle on the concrete. You know what I mean? So, so, when you, <laughs> so when you started this, you had like a one-year-old that was right there in the mix that's having to get toted around through all of this. He that was got two. two. Yeah, yeah, he was two and chasing me on his little John Deere gator, you yeah. know, out there in the in the vineyard. If I was on the tractor, he was going to follow me. Mm -hmm. Now, when you guys built the uh, winery and tasting room, I mean, that place is beautiful, by the way. Thank uh, you. I would assume that someone with not as great of a vision would have erected a metal building and open warehouse just to be able to get Donald's done. But you mm -hmm. guys, when you built something, you built something beautiful for that area. And uh, I don't know who... If there was any influence, anyone else helping you design it, it was all you. The design is just fantastic for Thank the place. You. It's very inviting, uh, aesthetically pleasing. It's not, but but yet still simple. It's very reflective of the logo you guys have. It's um, I think you like you nailed it when it came to the tasting room. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so let's advance. We get to the first that we can actually sell. It hits the shelves. Now, was did did you look at trying to distribute some of it, or was all of it going to be sold in house, all local? So all of it still is direct to consumer out of our tasting room. <clears throat> when you started selling those bottles and you started getting feedback, how did that feel? That that was so we had our soft opening, and when we invited. A hundred, I believe, of our friends. Yeah, we said it was a hundred. And um, that <laughs> night was very, very emotional. I can um, imagine. I mean, that because... May. Very, very emotional. I mean, just seeing my friends there and just being able to, you know, now we have product, now we have all of these, to the glasses that I had picked out, to the dining table, to the, uh, to the menus, to the everything sort of coming together all at one time I was just overwhelmed I mean it took me a long time to get over that night just because it was so my friends were there they have been so supportive since the very beginning um and you know of course my husband's there my kids are there my dad you know everything and they're just 
like you you know they're looking and like you you did this can you believe you did this i'm like no i can't believe we did this yeah yet. we still you know <laughs> it was it was amazing and then we had grand opening and we had over a thousand people come in one day wow and how long did it take you to sell out of your first product so we had made wine for what we had thought would have been a year um, we sold out of 75% of it in one day. Wow. Yeah. According <laughs> to our business plan, we had a very lengthy business plan. But that just shows you the support of our community, oh how, how great our people are. Yes. And Absolutely. And show up and support what's done yeah. local. Yeah. Um, the mayor of West Monroe, uh, Mayor Mitchell has, uh, always wears a pen and it says shop local, shop West. Mm -hmm. It says shop West on it, but the promotion shop local. Um, I know that you guys have the ability to sell wine across the country, but knowing that for us here locally that we have, um, and you guys are not the only ones out there. And I don't want anybody to think that I'm casting shade on anyone else that's out there. We've yeah. got a lot of great um, uh, people that are doing some amazing things locally. But for you guys specifically to be able to have that product grown here, it, it wasn't in your blood prior to us that we're coming from a winemaking family. It just started off that it's, um, I want something pretty to look at on, yeah. on the land. <laughs> and, and, and grew to this uh, uh, pair, um, I don't know, how would you describe it? The, it was the, the mind eraser. Yeah, the mind yeah. eraser oh. that led you guys down a path and say, you know what? I think we want to do a little bit more here and mm -hmm. to get the education and to go out and seek the information mm -hmm. uh, to make yourself better. And your kids having the opportunity to be able to watch you guys through that process to be where you're at today, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. And I think you, are, you guys are an inspiration to others uh, that want to start, and it doesn't have to be uh, making wine or having a winery. It's that if you are passionate enough about something and you're willing to try to put the effort in, try to figure it out, and be able to throw all your cards on the table, you can achieve a lot more than you realize. Do you think yourself 10 years ago would have ever imagined that you would have this today? Ever? No. 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 I went, I'm, I'm a nurse practitioner. And I went to school to help people to to become, you know, a, a health in the medical field. And here I am selling wine, and I'm yeah. still in the medical field. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I would have thought, I never would have thought this little seed of passion would have turned into what it is today. There was no option for, no, we're going to stop doing this. It was just because... Michael and I enjoy it so much. I mean, you can tell the way you guys kind of feed off one another. <laughs> that it's not just something that we do on the side. It's something that we're we put yeah. we put ourselves oh, yeah. into this, yeah. and uh, um, we're. I think the product speaks for itself. Um, so tell us a little, before we we end here. I want, I want you to tell a little bit about what the tasting room is, when is it open, mm -hmm. and what kind of experience can someone expect when they come out? Yeah. Uh, so the tasting room, when you enter through the front, it's about, um, let's see, the main room's about 1,600 square feet. Uh, the tasting bar is uh, right when you walk in, a big U-shaped tasting bar. 
We're open on Saturdays right now from 12 to 7. We have live music every Saturday, local artists uh, from 3 to 6. If you come early enough and we're not crazy busy, you can uh, you can have tastings with myself or Savannah um, at the tasting bar. Uh, we have food. We have a food menu. We've got three different types of flatbreads. Um, we do have a charcuterie board. We've got some local um, local meats and stuff on on the charcuterie board too. Uh, it's 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 easy to sit down and lose yourself in in time uh, when you come in there just to, just to hang out. We, we, we love having it. Saturdays are way more fun now <clears throat> than they used to be. Uh, it's, um, it's a nice social environment and we love talking to everybody, you know, when they come in, talking them through the wines, talking, it's always fun to be able to look at them and say, I, everything that you're tasting, we've done, you know, and, and I, there's nothing about it. I can't tell you. Um, your website, I want to, in my space, there's a lot of uh, <clears throat> transactions that happen online. That's sure. where a lot of the marketing comes from. So your website, it's um, thethirstyfarmerwines.com. Correct. Uh, your web website is very well done. But the thing that, that really kind of, I'm sure you guys learned that this is, you know, you know, a great way to do it, but the wine club. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the pairings that you guys have with that. So... What I think would be cool, even if someone's visiting uh, that's not from this area and they want to come in and check it out, they can come in and do some tastings of things and they can leave with a, um, um, a membership or join the wine club to where this stuff is, can be delivered to their house. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. And continue the experience and beyond. Absolutely. So, so we have three different wine clubs. It's two, four, or six bottles and you can, um, and it's four times a year. Um, with that wine club, you get 15% off all your wines. Um, you get access to our early um, early releases. So our next wine that's coming up in January, all of our wine club members will get first access to that. Fantastic. We have wine club pickup parties, which are super fun. I uh, have complimentary charcuterie for all of our wine club members. They come and pick up their wine and get to uh, come a little bit early. We also have wine club exclusive events. So um, we mentioned that we're open on Saturdays, but we also are starting to do bring your own steak nights in which you okay. bring your own steak. Um, our wine club members get uh, first dibs on that. Um, but I provide all the sides. You bring your own steak or meat, protein of your choice. You get to cook it out back on our crush pad, on our grills, hang out, uh, listen to some music, and uh, it's what, a good chill night, too. What a great experience yeah. to be able to offer. It's fun. Yeah. You it's know, for too many times I've heard people say, well, there's nothing to do in this town. Right. And I'm saying, you know, you guys have no idea. If you're willing just to look got everything I feel like a big city has to offer. Mm -hmm. You just may have to look a little bit harder. That's right. And for what's happening out in Calhoun uh, with um, small businesses like yourself, it's just given that next level of uh, excitement to, that's bringing uh, to our community. Uh, I appreciate the efforts that as small business owners that you guys put into our community and the product you guys are offering is fantastic. So thank you all so much for coming in. We'll make sure in our show notes that we put links to um, all of y'all's contact information, the website, so people want to learn more and want to get in touch with y'all, you'll okay. know how to do it. And sure. thanks again for just taking the opportunity to come in and just let me have the privilege of hearing your story and um, so that maybe others can experience it and uh -huh. um, show up one day and maybe have some wine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thank you for so. helping us share it. That means a lot. We cool. appreciate it. It's very nice to meet you. Do appreciate it. And you're going to have to have, come have some wine. Yeah.
Absolutely. Yeah, you got to come see us. Thank you, guys. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to watch or listen to this podcast. We really appreciate your involvement. Please leave us a comment or even better yet, subscribe to this podcast and hit that notification bell so that you can be alerted for every new episode when it hits.